Hey, little boomers. Let me tell you about the new partnership that the Buck and Boomer podcast has with BetUS. Listen up, sports bettors. Your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, is back for our 29th year of sports action. With the industry's biggest sign-up bonuses of up to 125%, BetUS offers our members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite sports, including UFC, NFL, MLB, NBA, and the NHL. If you're looking for live in-game betting, incredible odds with daily odds boosters, props, and parlays, we've got them. How about fast payouts and exceptional one-on-one customer service? We got that too. Go to the Bucket and Boomer Twitter page. Click on the link in our profile or the pinned tweet, betusa.com, where the games begin. Shut up and sit down. Little Boomers, welcome into the Bucket and Boomer Podcast. I'm your co-host, the Little Boomer. I'm here with my partner in crime, Big Booner, Zach. How you doing, Zach? What, what up, what up, what up? in the new year, baby. Uh, you know, just spent some time with my kid and her family. Uh, watched OSU have their Ray Finkel moment. And uh, watched us actually win a game. So, you know, ups yeah. and downs, ups and downs. It was great. Uh, we uh, we got up early that morning and uh, went to Sunny Street for breakfast pregame, and then uh, met up with uh, Mr. Neff and uh, Julie and Eric, our friends from Finland. Well, Julie's from Finland, and uh, did a little breakfast. Then uh, Mrs. Boomer went to the game a little early with uh, Eric and Julie. And me and Neff headed down to our bar. I know, surprise, surprise, we go to our bar before a game, and then uh, we watched. Uh, Max get dummied. Yeah, so. yeah, you know, it's a surprising. Finally snapped off a seven-game losing streak. I was really hoping we'd make it eight. but I, Yeah, I was, but I wasn't. I mean, come on, we got to get one every once in a while. I mean, it's not like we're really going to win the lottery anyway. What was the streak that Buffalo had last year? Oh, it was bad. It was like 16 games or something like that. I believe it was either 16 or 18. It was bad. <laughs> That, I mean, that's the only record we have a chance of breaking this year, so I was hoping we could at least do something. Yeah, but it is nice to get one against Domi. He, they did the little uh, fan tribute when he came back and everything for Seth Jones and Max Domi, and, of course, the crowd just boos him, and he was totally prepared for it, which was hilarious. Absolutely. So, but everybody knew it was coming, him, him included. So, anyway, let's just – you know what? Let's just hop right into it. We got a, we got a jam-packed show today, so let's uh, – Let's run through our recaps and uh, let's look ahead to next week. And then we're going to do a little bit longer segments looking at uh, prospects and the farm this week. So if you want to learn about the people that are currently playing in juniors or the minors, we're the place to be. If you want to learn about who we're going to draft at the beginning of next year, this is also the place to be. So if we go straight into the recap, uh, we should have had a game on Tuesday, December 27th against the Buffalo Sabres. But that was postponed due to bad weather in Buffalo. Because I guess from what I've heard, this is like the first time Buffalo's ever got snow. Can, can you confirm that, Zach? Yeah, first time ever. Uh, you know, New York has not seen snow once in the last century. Yeah, they're, they're not used game. to it. Yeah, it's like Texas. 
Yeah. It's like Texas. <laughs> now that game was canceled. We still do not have a rescheduled date. Uh, so stay tuned to all your Columbus Blue Jacket outlets. I'm sure once they know, they'll let us know. But doing a little look ahead, I know me and you both looked at the schedule. And Buffalo and Columbus's schedules do not line up. The only way they can really squeeze that game in is it's going to give somebody a back-to-back or a home-and-away or a four games in five days. So there is the chance this game doesn't get made up if both teams are eliminated from the playoffs and it doesn't affect anything, or it might just get stuffed in the last week or two of the season. Yeah, I mean, even if it is a back-to-back home-and-away, it's a two-hour flight, so it's not like it's a massive deal. It's not like you're going to play a game at home than playing a game on the West Coast. Right. I mean, you could, you could ride a bike there if you just get the snow out of the way. What snow? Exactly. So, anyway, let's go ahead and jump ahead to Thursday, December 29th. Our beloved Blue Jackets hopped on their plane and uh, flew into New York, ironically, to play the uh, Islanders. So, that game ended up being a 2-1 loss. Um, surprise, surprise. That would have been number seven in a row. Which, if we would have played that Buffalo game, that probably would have been number eight. So, all things considered. Um, very boring first period. Typical New York Islanders game. Not much happening. Um, no goals in the first. The shots on goal were crazy. I'm going to show you a pattern at the end of this. Uh, we go into the second period. Uh, Peugeot scores a goal, makes it one nothing at the 7-12 mark. And then Matt Barzell decides that he wants to score all of a sudden. And he gets power play goal at 16:39. That makes it two nothing, leading into the second intermission. Not much going on in the third. And then uh, everybody's favorite, Emil Bemstrom, happened to be the right man at the right place at the right time. And he uh, gets hit with a Marcus Bjork one timer from the blue line. It bounces off his glove and goes in with 22 seconds left, ruining the shutout. Oh, boohoo! And most importantly. That brought Bimmer watch down to 45. So shots on goal in this game, Zach. First period. Tell me if you see a pattern. CBJ yeah. 7, Islanders 13. Second period. CBJ 7, Islanders 13. Third period. CBJ 7, Islanders 10. What do you see wrong with that picture? Uh, first of all, we're getting beaten shots every single period, uh, totaling seven, seven, and seven for 21. Like I that. mean, which yeah. you can also play on betusa.com. Absolutely. And like you said, this is one of the most boring games we've watched in a while. I think this is the one where I tweeted out and said, please don't Narcan me. I'm just napping. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Twitter, it, Twitter was the only reason people stayed awake for this game because we were all just bouncing back and forth with each other. Yeah, it, no part of this game was fun to watch. Not one. Other than us losing, and, you know, that's helping us in our lottery stance. But, you know, we're Columbus, weighted envelopes. Yeah, it, yeah just, man, get the puck on that. Get the puck on that. Get the puck on that. 7-7-7, seven, 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 not good enough. So that led to New Year's Eve, our December 31st game, where we happened to capture a 4-1 victory. Over Max Dummy and the Blue and the Blackhawks. Sorry, I almost said the Blue Hawks. What the hell? Uh, Chicago scored 11:33 into the first with a goal by Anthony. I think Anthony. See you. 
Yeah, that's what I said. Um, putting us down one nothing, and then Bimmer watch starts again. Mill Bimstrom gets a power play goal at the 1840 mark to make it 1-1 going into intermission. So once again, Bimmer watches if he scores 50 points, Little Boomer has to buy a Little Bimmer jersey. Well, we're down to 44. That's six points in nine games this year. Well, we come back for the second. Gus Nyquist scores a shorty three minutes and 50 seconds into the second, making it two to one. Uh, Marchenko adds his fifth of the season three seconds before the second intermission to make it 3-1. Good guys. And then with 39 seconds left in the game, Gus hits a six-on-five empty netter to give us the 4-1 victory and seal the deal. Overall, a pretty well-played game. The defense was not horrible. The back-checking was good. The forechecking was good. Corpy looked like a stud. I mean, overall, just a good game, but one of the keys I want to talk to you about is that first line with Kit Johnson, Krill Marchenko, and Johnny Gaudreau. What do you think about that? Um, it, it's fun to watch. Same time we've had this talk, Kent Johnson's not a center. Uh, right. And while you're talking about everything good that happened in this game, you also have to think this is the worst team in the league right now that we just played. Right, but a week earlier, they didn't. They made us look like the worst team in the league. That's because we almost are. This is true. But, I mean, it's just a, it's just a, the, the Jekyll and Hyde effect again because we played them last week or week and a half ago, and it was just god-awful. I mean, we're all turning it off at the first intermission. I, I decided to watch Wednesday instead of the last two periods of the game. You turned it on twice, saw two goals, turned it back off, turned it on a third time, saw a fight, turned it back off. Yep, yep. That is not the team we saw on New Year's Eve. No, not at all. Um, I mean, this team's been so back and forth all year. It's hard to guess what you're going to watch day to day. It's just interesting. I mean, a lot of questionable moves with the lines at the beginning. I mean, Andrew Peak's a healthy scratch for Gavin Bayreuther. Um, who had that on your bingo card? Not me. Uh, I, I just wish we'd send Gavin Bayreuther to the fucking glue factory. He's more useful as stamps. So, all in all, at least we got a W to end our season, unlike Big Brother over in the Horseshoe, who happened to sync up a missed field goal as the ball dropped to ring in the new year. Talk about heartbreaking. Yeah, 31-30 game. Uh, shanked that last kick. It was 41-42. 41-42, yeah. Sorry, I knew we lost by a point. Yeah. And in, in in his defense, we're talking about a 50-yarder as time's expiring. I mean, a 50-yarder is not an easy kick to make. He had the leg. It just went it left from the get-go. 15 yards left. Yeah, just left from the get-go. So that was our week that was. So let's, uh, let's take a peek at uh, what we got coming up. So in the week ahead, it looks like, tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this on January 3rd, we will be in Canada, which is not real. No, no, we Northern Montana. The, yeah, we'll be in Northern Montana to play the Ottawa Senators. The Senators come into the game 17, 17, and three. That is a 7 p.m. start on Bally's. What do you see happening up in Northern Montana? Um, it, it's really going to happen, depend on which team shows up and which goaltenders in net. If Elvis somehow makes a comeback, we lose this game 5-2. 
Uh, if we got Corpy or Tarasov in net, uh, we win this game 4-3. I assume we're probably going to see Elvis because he was the backup the last game. So I'm assuming we're going to see him. But then again, Brad's been known after Corpy have a good game to put him right back out there. So it's not like it's a back-to-back. There's, what, four or five days in between? So I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens when the lines drop. I'm also curious to see who draws in on the defense. And, I mean, we've been playing this rotating everything. Uh, Patrick Line is skating at practice again, so he should be good to return as well. So yeah, they said Jake Kirshenson's the odd man out right now. So, so who well, who goes, who comes out for line A to go back in, and what kind of Yahtzee dice are we rolling to set the lines up this time? Because I mean, it's kind of sad. I mean, Gaudreau, Johnson, and Marchenko played well together, and then that second line with uh Nyquist and Bimstrom and Roslovic, they were playing well too. But you're not going to put line A on the third line, are you? No, I think you uh, swap Marchenko, or swap Marchenko, move Bemstrom up, put Line A on the second line. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious to see. I mean, it's uh, it's not like it's going to stay that way the whole game anyway. So we'll see what happens. No, we we had somebody in our group chat tweet or talk to us and go, we should just let Zach get drunk and make the lineups. Yeah, and what I say. <laughs> I uh, something about me not being able to read sober. I don't know. I was drunk. <laughs> uh, well, that is going to lead to Thursday, January 5th. We will host the Washington Capitals. The Capitals come in at 21, 13, and 5. That is a 7 p.m. start, and that is an ESPN nationally televised game. So, big bad Alex Ovechkin currently sits at 806 goals in his chase of the great one. How many do you think he's going to pick up against us that night? Because one, this is a nationally televised game. Two, this is a nationally televised game. And three is the number that he's going to be scoring because it's a nationally televised game. Think he gets a Hattie? On our defense and our goaltending, it really depends on who we have in net. But, yeah, I don't think there's anything we can do to stop him. I think – I think I would play Elvis on the third and save Corpy for the fifth because Corpy actually does play decent against the Capitals. That's one of the teams that he's had some of his better games against. At the same time, though, Ovechkin has scored on 31 out of 32 teams, and that's because he's never left Washington. Right. Well, when you have 806 goals, you got to get them somewhere. But no, that one, man, that's just feels like the makings of an ugly, ugly game. Uh, nationally televised never goes good for us. When it when it's an ESPN or a TNT only, it never goes good for us. But at least we're not playing the Sabres this time. You know, our rival. I guess so, if that's what you want to call them. Yeah. They're real but, rivals at first snow of the year. Right. But before that game, from 5 to 7, over at the new Parlay Sports Kitchen, uh, the Artillery are having a pregame party and uh, live podcast. So come on out and see our buddies. Um, while you're there, place a bet. Now that sports betting is legal, you know, if you're not hopping online using BetUSA and you want to make a bet in person, go to Parlay and make a bet. Bet the house. 
on Washington. Take the money line and the puck line. They're going to kill us. You know, as Zach would say, what what are you going to bet, Zach? Uh, your kid's entire college fund. And while you're there, go ahead and punch the intern. That's what they don't pay him for. <laughs> yeah, just come out to uh, Parlay. They have a $9 valet parking. You can stay there for the entire game. Uh, it's only right down the road from the arena. It's maybe a six, seven-minute walk if you just want to park there and walk on down to the arena watch the game. Come over, place a bet, have a drink, grab a sandwich, uh, hang out at Parlay with the artillery. That or hop on a bird scooter, hit a parked bird scooter, flip over the handlebars, and get a picture on Twitter like Jason. Uh, or don't. So that's uh, January 5th. Also, to let everybody know, that will be the salute to service game. So I believe the USO will be collecting outside of the arena on your way in. Uh, they have a list on the Blue Jackets website of the items that they are collecting. And if you donate an item, they will give you a voucher for two tickets to an upcoming game. So help out the troops and uh, get you a couple free tickets while you're at it. Then we're going to play again on Saturday, January 7th. We will host the Carolina Hurricanes, who are 25-6-6. That is a 4 p.m. start. That is a Bally's game. So that'll be on everybody's favorite streaming network that they complain about on Twitter all the time. Zach, did you know the Canes currently have a 10-game winning streak and a 16-game point streak? It'll be what, you know? 12 games by the time we play them, 13. I don't know how many they have in between. Yeah, I'm not sure how many in between, but, yeah, they currently, after yesterday's game, they have a 10-game winning streak and a 16-game point streak. So, once again, bet the farm. Bet the farm. <laughs> College fund, farm, pinks tie yeah, to your car. Yeah, bet it all. Yeah, you bet your kid's college fund, you know, you might end up getting the whole thing for free and the exactly. new car while you're at it. You know, just bet it all. Um, exactly. Or do the opposite of what I tell you because I am not starting the year off good with my bets. No, no, you're not. You want to give everybody an update on that? Well, I currently took the over in the Winter Classic because I assumed that the best team in the league would score goals. And then Pittsburgh always shows up for their outdoor games since they've had like half a dozen of them. Um, so I took the over at six goals. And we are currently at the second intermission. It is a one-to-nothing game. What the yeah. fuck? I uh, I wasn't going to say it earlier, but I did fade you on that and took the under. So I'm just kind of waiting. Oh, yeah. It'll pay off because, uh, yeah, we're not. That's going to fuck up my single bet and my parlay. So after the Canes get done destroying us, uh, Sunday, January 8th, that's the very next day, we will travel to Washington, D.C. to play the Capitals at 5 o'clock. That is also a Bally's game. Um, we've already talked about the Capitals. I see the same thing happening there. But the question I have for you, Zach, is that's a back-to-back, home and away, 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock starts. Who the fuck made this schedule? Uh, Gary Bettman fresh after hitting Aaron Portsline's crack pipe. Good Lord. It's just, I mean, this schedule has been screwy all year, but this is just kind of dumb. I mean, two afternoon games back to back home and away. That's just, that's asinine. I mean, we're not going to make the playoffs either way, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I mean, even if they do play well at home against the Canes, there's no way they're going to carry that momentum. 25 hours later into D.C. So I just, you know, 
as Clubber Lang said in Rocky Three, this week I predict pain. Um, so while we're getting off the week that's coming, uh, the Winter Classic finally got announced. Yeah, next year's um, Winter Classic was officially announced. Who's it going to be? So turns out you don't get it if you're a bottom three team in the league, but if you've only been in the league three years, you do. It you is uh, going to be Seattle and Vegas. I did. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. So Seattle and Vegas. In Seattle, it's officially announced the Winter Classic during the pregame show today that next year's Winter Classic will, in fact, be the Seattle Kraken against the Vegas Golden Knights in Seattle, the two newest teams to enter the league at three and six years old. What the hell? You know, they got to make money somehow. Well, I just, I mean, and like I said, I wrote this down, and Gary Bettman, and I quote, said, Seattle and Vegas, it speaks for itself. Does it? What's it say, Gary? New things it attract say? attention. It says, Fuck the rest of the league. Is that what it says? Because that's what I'm hearing. Just, I don't know, just, just drives me nuts. Just drives me nuts. The absolute, and not just for us. I mean, there's other teams out there that have never had one. Just the absolute disrespect. To give a three-year-old team a fucking outdoor game, there is two former Blue Jackets on that team, though. Yeah, well, we got a former Blue Jacket playing in one today. Felino's talking yep. about sixteen years in the league, played over a thousand games. This is his first outdoor game, so it is what it is. I mean, I was talking on Twitter earlier, you know, and people were like, "Nobody wants to watch the Blue Jackets." Yeah, it's like, you know what? They're like, I'm I'm used to the NHL just kicking us in the crotch, dude. This is this is a not only a yearly thing, a monthly thing, a weekly thing, a daily thing. The NHL just has zero respect for mid to smaller market teams. They don't give a fuck. Period. Not yeah, not whatsoever. Yeah. And I mean, it's been proven the only first overall pick we've ever had is one that we had to trade for. Um, oh yeah, we had to package to get up there and get it. Yeah. So, I mean, and that turned into Rick Nash, who won one trophy here. He was tied for it. He's in our rafters, which, I mean, is debatable by itself, but I feel like that goes more along what he did for the community here. Yeah, just what he did that. as an organization. He did a lot yeah. with a little. Exactly. We've never had that true superstar here coming from a first overall pick outside of Rick Nash. No, I mean, you got Rick Nash, and then you brought in Johnny Gaudreau, who fell in your lap. Yep. So, well, that is the week ahead and a little bit of FU outdoor talk. But we want to do a little deeper dive this week. Uh, we haven't really been looking at our prospects uh, just because we've been tied up with too much other stuff going on with the holidays. So me and Zach kind of took it upon ourselves, and uh, I have done a breakdown of the people in our farm system. And Zach has done a breakdown of draft prospects for the upcoming draft since it looks like we're probably going to get a really, really good one. So let's go ahead and head up on the farm, Zach, and take a look at basically what we've got coming down the pipeline from the last four drafts. Um, if you want to start with uh, some of the guys from the 2022 draft, we'll just go every other one if you want to start with your check. Yep. So we'll go into David Yurchek. Uh Took him first round, sixth overall. Uh, right-hand defenseman, uh, bear guy, long reach. He's played 19 games with the Monsters, has four goals, 15 assists for 20 points, and a plus six. 
So just over a point per game there. Yeah, playing well in Cleveland. Five goals. Oh, five goals. Sorry, five goals. And then uh, Team Check has absolutely been killing it in World Juniors. What did you say the score was today? Nine to one. Nine one. Uh, Yeah, Year Check had a goal. Uh, A guy we're going to talk about a little later in Sposal had two assists so far, but so far Year Check has uh, one four games played, one goal, three assists for four points, and a plus four. If you had today's game, that's going to bump him up to five goals. Give yep. him five goals, three assists for eight points. That's so, pretty good, I understand. Yeah, so in total or, this or season. defensive defenseman. Yeah, so in total for this season, he's above a point per game in Cleveland and at a point per game in the World Juniors. Yeah, he's um, really just into the ice and coming into his own. Really good at pick, but what do you expect when you're drafting within the top ten? Yeah. So after that, we're going to take a look at Benton Matejcik. He was a left shot defender that we drafted in the first round last year with the number 12 pick. Ben Matejcik is currently playing in Moose Jaw up in the CHL. He has 31 games played with six goals, 27 assists for 33 points, and is a plus four. And this is kind of crazy because earlier in the year when we were looking at him, like his numbers – were like one goal, 14 assists, and like a minus 10. Um, he's really upped his game the last half and really starting to show that ability that we drafted him for as a puck-moving defender. Um, little undersized, but makes up for it with the skill that he has and has literally got himself above a point per game too when he was literally sitting at exactly half a point a game through, I think, 16 games. Yeah, it's so, almost like we drafted two defensemen to play together. Weird how that happens. Next on the list is who? Oh, sorry, I was finishing a beer. <laughs> uh, Luca Del Belbaluz, who we took with our second-round pick at 44th overall, uh, finally drafted a center, like a true center. Yes. Uh, he's playing with the Mississauga Steelheads. In 33 games played, he has 18 goals, 20 assists for 38 points and a negative eight. Which that negative eight used to be negative 18. Yeah, Mississauga hasn't been doing a whole lot this year. No, and he recently just picked up his 100th point as a steelhead. Yeah, so it's uh, he's probably going to spend another year in juniors uh, after the yeah. season. He definitely got some more development to do, but there's definitely – a future there. He could possibly make this team in the next three years, or he could be that guy in Cleveland that gets called up on an emergency basis. Yeah. And with him being in the CHL, we can't pull him unless he's going to be here until he's over the age of 20. Uh, so right. we just kind of got to wait that one out, watch him develop and just have fun, see what he's doing in the CHL. Uh, you want to get on to the big one next or well, oh. big totals, little guy, big totals, little guy. That is uh, Jordan Dumais. He was our third-round pick this year at number 96. He's a right-shot right-winger who plays for Halifax. He is now sitting at 31 games played with 27 goals, 41 assists for 68 points. And get this, dude is a plus 32. His team is just absolutely killing it here lately. And then when he was also not selected – for Team Canada and the World Juniors, he was literally a meme. He said, I took that personal. 
and he Absolutely. came out and just went off. Wasn't it a seven-point night after that? One goal and six assists? Yeah, something like that. He's been killing it all year. I mean, we've talked about him over and over again. This yeah. is one of the better depth picks we've had in a long time. If he can translate this to the NHL at even half this pace, he's going to be a solid player. Yeah, I mean, Andy's still young. He's still still growing, still, you know, just one of the most skilled guys we have coming up the pipeline and just a dude that has has a nose for the puck and finds the back of the net. I mean, that's something we need is just scoring. So we'll take you into the big boy from Russia. Uh, so what is it, Krill Dolzankov? Mm-hmm. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, it took him in the fourth round, 109th overall. Uh, he's playing in the KHL with C- or CSKA uh, Moscow. Yeah, he's just listed as a forward, but he's playing right wing right now. Yeah, so he's been, been between the CSKA and uh, I, I can't, can't pronounce that. Krasnaya Armia Moscow. Yeah, so he's got five games played in the KHL, nothing to show for it, nothing on the stat line, zero goals, zero assists, zero points, uh, zero on his plus minus. But when he got moved down to the MHL, with 32 games played, he's got 14 goals, 18 assists for 32 points, and a plus 12. Yeah, so this is definitely a guy that obviously is going to need some more development because basically the MHL is the AHL of the KHL. Boy, that was a lot of AHLs. Yeah, it's closer <laughs> to the WHL than anything. Or, sorry, the ECHL than anything. Yeah, but he's absolutely destroying it there, just not getting his footing with the big boys. So that's going to lead us to another Russian that we drafted. The fifth round, 138 overall, Sergei Ivanov. He is the lone goalie we drafted last year, and this kid has bounced all over the place. He has played with SKA 1946 St. Petersburg in the MHL. He has played with SKA Neva St. Petersburg in the VHL. He has played with SKA St. Petersburg in the KHL, which is the big club. So down on the 1946 team, he's played five games, has a 1.89 goals against with a .933 save percentage. He's got a record of 3-0. and He's given up nine goals, has 126 saves, and two of those victories were shutouts. When he got moved up to Neva, he played 11 games, and this is where the numbers get skewed. He has a 3.18 goals against average, but a 900 save percentage. He has a record of 3-3. Three and three. He has given up 35 goals, but has 314 saves. So the dude has saw 350 shots this year in 11 games which that's great training if you want to be a Blue Jacket. But with the big club uh, in St. Petersburg, he's played three games with a 1.59 goals against, a 9.33 save percentage, has a record of 0-0. and Looks like he's only played some garbage time. He's got one goal against and 14 saves. But he's a prospect that did really, really well in the juniors last year. And we're waiting to see where he's going next. You know, he's yeah. still young, still some time, but uh, not horrible numbers across the board. So that'll lead us into our last pick of last year's draft. Uh, you got James Fisher, or James Fisher, taking seventh or in the seventh round, 203 overall. Uh, right wing playing in Youngstown, 20 games played, three goals, four assists, seven points, 
Uh, this is one I've hardly heard about. I mean, I was hammered by the time that we got to the seventh round. Um, <laughs> but he actually was just on the uh, Pipeline podcast with uh, Dylan Tire. Oh, okay. So uh, I mean, currently he he was he's scheduled to play college. I cannot remember which college. But in the meantime, before he goes to college, he's playing with the Youngstown Phantoms and the uh, USHL right up the road from us. Gotcha. Yeah, with this being a seventh-round draft pick, there's a good chance we'll never see him. Right. But. So that's going to lead us into last year's draft. Uh, we're not going to talk about Cole Sillinger and Kent Johnson because we already know where they're at. They're technically not prospects anymore. So the next guy that we drafted – was Corson Kuhlemans in the first round with the 25th pick. He is another right shot D. He's playing at the University of Wisconsin. This year, he currently has played 17 games. He has five goals and eight assists for 13 points and a plus two rating on a really crappy team. Now, you compare that to last year, he played 34 games, had seven goals with 15 assists for a total of 22 points and was a minus 12. So he's definitely on pace to outdo points and goals this year and right on pace with assist. But the plus minus being a positive two instead of a negative number at the University of Wisconsin this year is remarkable because they are really, really not good. Yeah, I think when we checked on him earlier this season, he was something like negative 16. So I don't know if that's been a change of time on ice, change in matchups, or if it's just been a change in their program defensively as a whole. Right. But, yeah, he's definitely stepping it up from where he was at last year uh, and the, on a worse team, like you said. But I think we'll probably see him in the AHL next year, uh, if not with the big club, but most likely AHL. Yeah, so let's go ahead and head into the next one. Who you got next? So we got Stanislav Svozil, uh taken in the third round, 69th overall. Nice. Uh He's also a defenseman, shoots left, left side defenseman, playing with the Regina Pats, so he's been playing with Bedard all season. Uh, in 28 games played, he's got five goals, 32 assists for 37 points. And in the World Juniors, with four games played, he has one goal, five assists for six points, which that doesn't include the game he's playing today, which would put, him at, five, today. Yeah, would put him at five games played, one goal, seven assists for eight points. And I believe he's at a plus five now. Yep. So it, he's been a really fun player to watch. Right. Um, somebody that we'll probably not see for another three to four years. Defensemen take forever to develop it when they develop correctly. Yeah, but, he's a guy that's on pace now to get to, I believe, Cleveland next year, possibly. Yep. So we can see how much more development he makes in the next year once he gets up there. So that's going to lead us to an interesting one because everybody always talks about this draft pick, that draft pick, this prospect, that prospect. I don't even remember hearing this name, and this was just drafted in 2021. I can't even pronounce it because it's French. Guillermo Ricard was a fourth-round pick at 101. He is a left-shot defenseman. He currently plays at Providence College where he has 19 games played, one goal, three assists for four points and a minus four. I honestly know nothing else. I just wanted to put all these guys in here that we drafted because sometimes they don't work out 
And I just wanted you to realize that sometimes they don't work out. Yep. Just kind of like this next guy in uh, Nikolai Murarkov. Uh, taking them in the fifth round in 21. Uh, we've got no info on him whatsoever. Um, so we'll go ahead and skip past him and get into James Malatesta. Yeah, all we uh, got with him is literally he plays on the Russian 20 U, or U-20 team. Yeah. So, so James Malatesta was taken in the fifth round, 133rd overall. Uh, right wing, shoots left. Uh, he's playing for the Quebec, or Quebec Ramparts. Uh, 33 games played, 25 goals, 14 assists for 39 points, and he is a plus 21. Uh, guy's quick as fuck. Extremely fast player. Yep. Hear can that you guys hear me? This dude just joined us. Yeah, Kyle, we can hear the freeway in the background or a waterfall or whatever the fuck that is you got going hey, there. It's uh, still down on the river, my it's, man. It's a highway. Are you taking a shower? No, I'm I'm just I'm in downtown Cincinnati. There's like not a gun. There's not a lot of good spots around me right now. How's Kentucky this time of year? Go fuck up. Go fuck yourself. Uh, how yeah. about that? Yeah, for those of you that don't know, it took us over an hour to get this podcast started tonight because of technical issues Jeez. with lack of Wi-Fi in Cincinnati because of all the people at the Bengals game for Monday night. Yes, I. I'm doing the, the podcast in the wrong location this evening, but here we are. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, we uh, we are working our way down the uh, farmer list. Uh, do you have the farmer list on you? Do you want to jump in and read a couple of them, or you want us to just keep going? Where are you guys at so far? Uh, we ben are Boyd. Getting, nice getting ready to start with Wrecking Ball Ben Boyd. Ben Boyd. Uh, go ahead and start, and I'll just add on to it. Yeah. All right. Well, for those of you – who remember my time in Traverse City, where the Jackets outsider was just a man of the people. I was a big Ben Boyd fan. Ben Boyd was a six-round pick with pick 165 in the 2021 draft. He is a left-shot right wing who plays for Charlatan. I believe they're the Islanders. Um, he currently has 38 games played with seven goals and nine assists for 16 points and a plus-two rating. But that's not what Ben Boyd's there for. Ben Boyd carries 47 penalty minutes because he is a future enforcer. This dude just wreaks havoc everywhere he goes, and I cannot wait for him to be the guy to step up and be the next Matteo Olivier. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, it was fun to watch in Traverse City. I got to catch some of those games. Uh, over my phone watching them, but enforcers are always fun to watch. Um, it's hard for them to find a spot because the league's kind of shifting away from that. Yeah. But it, it's interesting for sure. It was interesting to see him score a goal with the uh, the open practice. All them guys out there, you know, James Neal trying to make the team and everything, and old Ben Boyd managed to find it back in the net during that, that scrimmage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he did. I, I I see good things coming out of this. I think the defensive depth on this team so far has surprised me in a good way. I I think that we, we have the forward group intact right now coming up, and I think the defensive depth also is is looking good. I, I think we're looking in the next three to five years defensively, we look pretty solid. Yeah, not only solid, we're going to be deep because, like I said, we're just into the 21 
2021 draft. So we got two or three more years of guys. You're not going to believe how many defenders we have drafted. Guys that you just forget about. Yeah, so, absolutely. With that said, let's take another offensive guy who's happened to be the captain of Team Check in the World Juniors. You want to tell us about Martin Rice Abbey, Zach? Yep, so Martin Rice-Savvy taken in the seventh round, 197th overall. Uh, left winger, shoots right. Uh, he's been playing in Moose Jaw. Um, with along Denton with, Yeah, with Denton Matejchuk. Um, So far this season, he has played 21 games in Moose Jaw. Two games, or sorry, two goals, nine assists for 11 points, plus four, uh, plus four, plus minus. Uh, and then World Juniors, he has played four games with one goal, two assists for three points. Um, fun guy to watch. Uh, I don't really expect much from him coming into the future. I mean, he's playing third line minutes in Moose Jaw. He's right. been bouncing back and forth between the second and third line. It's just another one of those late picks that's probably not going to pan out. It's going to be another he, one of those guys in Cleveland that you know the name because he's going to be here for several years. Yeah, it, it's not really – you don't expect much when you're picking below the third round. It, so, with that said, we'll move on to the next one. You want to take the next one, Kyle, with uh, Samuel Nazco? Is Kyle still here? Did we lose him already? Kyle. Kyle? Am not Kyle. Kyle? Really can't yeah. hear now. Can you hear me now? Yep, there uh, we go. A little bit, a little bit. There it is. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear yep. you now. Yeah, Nazco, yeah. Is that who we're talking about? Yep. You're up. Uh, I think Nazco looks great. He looks like one of those guys who's going to come up and be like a really solid defenseman and somebody who can probably like get the third and second defensive pairing like coming up to where it needs to be in the next couple of years. I, I am very excited for the defensive depth we have coming so far, yeah. Yeah, he's the first person we got coming from the 2020 draft. He was taken in the third round, 78th overall. Uh, and he's been playing with the Monsters this season. So in 26 games with the Monsters, he's got one goal, 13 assists for 14 points. He's a negative 10 on the season. But the Monsters, in their defense, that, that plus minus isn't always. Sure. It's been around a lot. It's, 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 it's seen a well, lot of Cleveland shit. Cleveland gives right? up a lot of goals, but they score a lot of goals. Yeah, right, exactly. It's has gotten a lot of good looks from a lot of coaches that I've heard from so far. Yeah, moment. he's he's high on Yarmo's radar. Yarmo's Yarmo's a big NASCO guy. So that's gonna take us to our next pick, which was Mikhail Putia, who was a fourth round draft pick at 114 in the 2020 draft. He is a left shot, left winger. He is playing for TPS Turku in Finland. Uh, he has 24 games played with three goals, five assists for eight points, and a minus seven rating. Uh, yeah. Putio, the guy at Traverse City that saw a lot of time on the first and second lines, mainly on the first line. Uh, real, real fast, dude. Yeah, he's so. got a lot of speed. I don't know about his skill, though. I, his skill concerned me in Traverse City when he played a lot with Ken Johnson and Marchenko. Um, that concerned me a lot there but it's i i hope he can up that skill level with his passing and and shooting because it didn't look like it needed to be where it was where it needed to be when when he was in Travis city so a lot of development coming from this guy and i hope we can see it do what we need to do 
So you want to take the next one, Zach? Because I know you love the next guy. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're talking about uh, Ole Julian Bjorkvik Holm. Uh, taken in the fifth round at 145, just 31 picks after Puthia. Um, he's a de- left er, defenseman, shoots left, playing the left side. Absolutely amazing flow, first of all. Just and, a beautiful man, period. Yeah. Uh, giant guy. Uh, shut or er, well, oh, fuck. He's just a lockdown defenseman. Um, and like you've said with the plus minus in Cleveland this year, they've taken a lot of goals. And that's not really any fault of their own. Their lines have been a mixer, mainly because of our injuries. Right. But uh, they, especially on the defensive end. But he has, in 19 games played, he has zero goals, two assists for two points. He's a negative six. But, I mean, like we said, when we went up to that Monsters game with me, Boomer, Kyle, and Neff, uh, he, it was impossible not to notice him. He was everywhere. He may not contribute as much defense or offensively, but he is a great shutdown defenseman. Yeah, he has no problem staying home and stopping the puck. He's he's my kind of defender. He he's an old school guy that just wants to keep the puck out of his own net. And in that game against Laval, he was a shit starter too. He was always fucking with somebody. Man, well, yeah, they deserve. I think that I think it's what's going to take with their defenseman is somebody who just like wants to like protect the goaltender. It seems like. A lot of the defensemen have had to come through here recently have wanted to score goals and want to be on the offensive side. And it just doesn't yeah, Everybody wants to lead the rush. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there needs to be guys that sit back and wait on the defensive plays to happen. We don't have enough of those. And I think guys like this would be great for the lineup. It's because right. defensive defensemen are underpaid in the league. You got guys right. that are going out putting up 20 goals like Zach Wierenski did and getting paid 9.538. And he did that one time. He did it one time. He scored yep. 20 goals, and all of a sudden he's getting paid that much. Like, and I understand 20 goals for defenseman is a lot, but it's just like the Gabrikov shit, man. He should be at five and a half, six million at the max, right? Right. Like, and if a guy like Gabrikov does get moved out at the trade deadline, that's when you'll see a guy like back home come up because we'll need exactly. a guy to pair with yes, someone. We need, we need guys that just want to play defense that don't need to be a part of the offensive rush. And we we see guys like that with Gabranson now and Gavrikov, but we need more of that because we have the forwards. We have the forward lines to, to make goals happen as long as they know that goaltending and defense is where it needs to be. And that's just – I think right. the, goal, the, the defense where it needs to start with us, I think. Right, most of the highlight plays for the other team where you see one of our forwards chasing somebody is because one of our defenders is so far out of place leading the rush that somebody didn't rotate back or didn't know they were supposed to rotate back, and then they get posterized. So, All right, let's go yeah, to the exactly. next one. This is, this is a fun one because this is another one I put on this list just because nobody's going to have a clue who the hell this guy is. And that is Samuel Johansson. He was a sixth-round pick at 176 in the 2020 draft. He's another right-shot D. He's playing at Brian's IF Galv in Sweden. Uh, he currently has 30 games played with six goals, 17 assists for 23 points, and a minus six. So I have no idea how the Swedish league stacks up. But this looks like another guy that's got a few goals, got some assists, but looks like he stays back and plays defense. 
uh, know very little, but I just wanted to add some of these guys that we drafted to the list so you can realize, once again, that not everyone's a winner. Yeah, it depends which Swedish league you're talking about, too, because they have like four different ones, and it stacks up comparable from the AHL to a 10-bits team. Right. Well, it's just fun to add these names on here that all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I remember when we drafted him. Whatever happened. Well, that's what happened to him. That 10-bits team, that's a great way to – I mean, this could be somebody that we see come up that we – Never expected, but I don't see anything coming out of this Johansson deal. I mean, I really don't. It's yeah. Sorry, we we have a bunch of the, the highway out here is wild right now. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't I just don't see anything coming out of this. To, to be honest, we we kind of know the guys that are coming through this, and and it comes in Christensen and and Yurichek and Matea Chuck and and the and the younger guys right now, and it's Johansson is not part of that, in, in my opinion, unless more injuries happen and all of a sudden we have to have a guy like that in here, but I just don't see it happening. I mean, is this a guy that we drafted two years ago that we haven't heard anything about since? Yeah. I mean, we were talking about it earlier. Yarmo from between 2021 to like 2015 drafted terribly. There wasn't a whole lot to come out of that in general. And I've heard a lot about that. So let's talk about the draft then for a minute from, for Yarmo. It's, I know from Jordan from the Artillery Podcast has, has criticized Yarmo a lot on his draft picks. But I feel like there's – if you look at it, I kind of went through it, and there's there's a lot of players that a lot of other teams passed on as well going through the drafts here where it wasn't like a surefire thing that David Pasternak was going to be a draft pick. Like he went 26th or something like that in his draft. Like there yeah, was just the bad no part way is that, that was the Milano draft. Yeah, it was the Milano draft. That's true. Yeah, we had three first round draft picks. That was it. No, was it Milano? No, that was the, that was a different draft. But yeah, Pasta was the Milano. A draft. lot of three first rounders was the Winberg, yeah. Dano, and uh, good God, who was the third guy? It was exactly. Uh, God damn it. Yeah, I know. That I yeah. It doesn't matter. We can't even remember who it is. That's the point, right? right? It's like we can't remember. The drafting hasn't been great, but like you can't, you can't judge guys, GMs on who they passed over because other G- GMs also passed over those guys as well. That's all I'm you saying. absolutely can judge a GM on who they passed over. That's their job. You can, depending on ba- or based upon who they picked, and you got a GM like Yarma that likes to go off the board a lot. Like I'm skipping down two or three players here, but if we go to Liam Foodie, who was taking in the first round, 18th overall. As a center, um, yeah, he's listed I, if, as a center. I mean, fuck. yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you're right. I I hear you. It just I hear a lot of oh Yarmo passed over this guy and that guy. Well, so did all these other GMs. It wasn't just Yarmo. And exactly, they're they're making decisions in the moment based off of what they need right now. And like the posture knock thing is is sucks, but it is what it is. Like, there's no way that you can go back and and kind of judge him based off of that draft pick, right? Yeah, and I mean, in his defense in the 2018 draft, outside of the top 10, there's damn near no one. Um, right. Other than, like, Fabry and Noah Dobson. Uh, but... Yeah, the, the guys they picked, they thought they were going to work out, and we all did at the time. If I remember thinking back to when Milano and, 
it, it was Winberg and, and Marco Dano got picked in the same drive. That's where that was the third the guy we were thinking of was Marco Dano. That's what I said and was that, Winberg and Dano. I can't think of the third and one. And Dano. There was the third guy. And it was all in the first round. Those we all thought they were gonna work out and be like amazing guys for the team and they just they just didn't. And it, it is what it is. That happens with every team in the league. Like you yeah, can't just blame that on the blue jacket. That happens all over the league every year. But when you're picking three times within the first round, you figure one of those is at least going to be a hit. Out of those three, the most successful one is the one that got bought out. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I, and I also see that side of it as well. That's a good point. For sure. Winberg was the best player on that entire first-round draft roster, and that that's really shitty, truly. So I think we left off at, uh, who was it, Eric Hjorth? Yep. Do you want to get into that one, Boomer? Uh, go ahead. Uh, Kirby Reichel is the other one. Oh, Reichel. Yeah. Sorry. God. Sorry, I had to look that up. Where's it was driving Reichel me crazy. Right is he even playing anymore? Reichel? I have no idea. I didn't. We didn't go that far. That was 2013. So we stopped at 2018. <laughs> yeah. That but was 2013 our, uh, was Yarmo's first draft, right? Yeah. But with our first pick in the 2019 draft, we had a fourth rounder at 104 was Eric Horth. He's another right shot D who plays for Vita Hostek, HC in Sweden. Once again, I don't know nothing about the Swedish league, but this guy's played 30 games, has one goal, six assists for seven points and a minus 10. So apparently if both these guys are playing in Sweden and they both played 30 games, they're, they must be playing. That's about all I can tell you. And that's going to lead to the next one. And uh, this is one that everybody appears to be pretty excited about. So why don't you jump into Dmitry Voronkov, Zach? So, yeah, this is one we're hearing we might see next year. He's in contract debates in the KHL right now. And from his side, it looks like he's refusing to sign anything. From their side, it's all we got unlocked in. We're just deciding on an amount. Um if Dmitry Voronkov makes it here next year, he's going to be an AHL player. Uh, taken in the fourth round, 114th overall in 2019. He's a center um, in 34 games played in Kazan, AK, or AK Bars. He's got nine goals, six assists for 15 points. Um, I, I don't – people are really high on him right now. I don't see him being anything other than – a NHL fourth liner to a middle six guy in the AHL. He's projected right now at three C. So everyone that thinks he's the answers to our center problems, he's projected as a third line center, like a checking line. Yeah. Hopefully the answer to our center problem will come within the next segment. But uh, after Vronkov, uh, one of you guys want to move us on to Tyler Engel? You want to take Tyler Engel, Zach? Or uh, oh. Kyle? Oh, Tyler Angle, yeah. Uh, Tyler Angle has been playing with the Monsters now for, what, the last two years, I think, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, he's one of those guys that has that grit, right? But he just doesn't have all the skill that we're looking for in a forward because we have the skill at forward right now. The grit isn't even doing it for the team right now. Look at Carson Meyer and – He's got the most grit of anybody I've seen come up in the last few years, to be honest with you, and he's not producing. So Tyler Engel, I think the only way that he succeeds is coming up behind 
a few lines, a few forward lines on the team that are already scoring and, and just kind of helps with the production of what's going on behind the first few scoring lines. Yeah, and while he's been in Cleveland for uh, two years, last year he tore his MCL and he was out almost the entire season. Um, True. But, I mean, this year in Cleveland, he's got four goals and seven assists for 11 points and a negative four in 24 games played. Yeah, he's been playing mainly second and third line there, mainly third line. Yeah, it's hard to expect a lot out of a seventh-round draft pick, though. Yeah, that's a, that's a great guy that comes up and, and – it's a Boone Jenner type that comes up and runs dudes through the boards as the center, right? And and doesn't really necessarily give you a bunch of skill, but like I said, puts guys into the boards and and makes sure they understand that the four check is there. That's one of those guys. So that's going to take us to our next one, which we touched on briefly. And the first round with 18th pick overall in 2018, they took Liam Foodie. As a center, we already touched on, he's got 19 games, zero goals, three assists, three points, a minus 12. In and out of the lineup, just kind of stashed on that fourth line. Really doesn't have a role here. Um, Is what it is at this point. I mean, a lot of these guys that we brought up have played enough games now that uh, they got to clear waivers before they go down. So they're kind of just lost in uh, CBJ purgatory at this point in time. But uh, after Liam Foodie, we took Kirill Marchinko in the second round with pick 49 in 2018. The right well, let's shot, go, right winger. Let's go back to Foodie real quick because he's got a lot of NHL time and he hasn't done anything, right? That's, no, he, has zero, he has zero goals. He has one goal in the bubble playoff play-in it, bullshit. Yeah, a few years but ago. he still hasn't registered a goal as a no goals. He, he's been up here like – filling a spot but he's not doing anything i don't no. i don't see him like being a part of the team going forward as as well the successful team goes i guess and no, doing yarmo math last hurrah. yeah doing yarmo math maybe at the trade deadline we'll be able to trade this first rounder for you know a fifth or sixth <laughs> maybe i mean look at what ryan murray went for huh yeah Let's see yeah that's Foodie, I don't know that he's worth anything at this point. He's just like not – he doesn't do anything. He just, Why would you give anything for him? Because, I mean, you can sign him in the offseason. Yeah, exactly. He exactly. does nothing. Right. That whole thing confuses me. Well, let's go back to Krill Marchenko. Let's get back on a positive note. So far this year, Krill played 16 games up in Cleveland with the Monsters where he had eight goals, 11 assists for 19 points, and a minus five. He's currently on the big boy club getting time in the last 12 games with five goals, zero assists for five points and a plus four rating. Uh, Kirill Marchenko, Kyle, go. Yeah, Marchenko, man, I said he's going to score 20 goals this season, and I, I stick by that. He has one of the best shots on the team right now, and it's just like not even close. He, when he gets the puck and he has a shooting opportunity, he takes it, and they're generally good shots. Uh, he's his hockey IQ when it compared to the most, the rest of the team is, is top tier in, in my opinion, based off of what he does with the puck. And when he gets the puck, he makes the right decisions most of the time. So I'm, I'm huge in the Marchenko train. And I think that I'm not going to change that opinion, uh, for the, for the near future at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he continues his current stat line, he's going to finish the season with, Roughly 20 goals, zero assists for 20 points. Uh, Love it. Yeah, as he should. I think 
20 goals does not makes a lot of sense for him this season. Even though it took them so long. We were how many how many fucking guys came up before Marchenko that should not have been up here before Marchenko? He is one All of them. Bemstrom. I mean, even before Bemstrom, he should have been up here, right? I, mean, I, I don't know. know. Bemstrom's got six even. goals, or sorry, six points in nine games rather than five and Imagine 12. if Marchenko had that much time that as, as as had as much time this season as Ben Bemstrom has had. He's played three I more mean, games than Bemstrom. Yeah, Marchenko would have had a lot more goals. Three more goals and three more. Marchenko's games. played three more games no, than Ben. Marchenko's played more games than Bemstrom. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, if Marchenko would have had as many games, he'd have way more goals. Kyle, how it's drunk are you? How many yeah, pretty... beers have you? <laughs> we were saying Marchenko has played three more games than when, Emil Bemstrom. Oh, when Mar right. no, when Marchenko played as many games as Bemstrom, he had three goals. You're right. I'm sorry. Marchenko's <laughs> better than Bemstrom, anyways. Whatever. I'm sticking by my guns here. I've had way too many beers. We've been drinking since 10 o'clock this morning for this Bengals game. I'm sorry. And I'm just I'm in downtown Cincinnati in some random corner right now talking to you guys. So Marchenko is the answer. He's the answer. So fuck you. Whatever. Well, all right. Boomer, you want to take the next one? Yeah, let's just get through these last four pretty quick. Uh, the next one nobody's heard of. Marcus Carlberg was a third round pick, number 80 overall in 2018. He's a right shot left winger playing in Lexans IF in Sweden. Uh, 26 games, one goal, two assists, three points, a plus two rating. Um, 26 games, three points, that's not great, even in Sweden. Um, then our last three, I throw these two together. Uh, Tim Burney was a six-round pick at 159 in 2018. He's a left shot D. Trey Fix Wilansky was a seventh-round pick at 204. He's a right shot right winger. Both these guys started out in Cleveland this year and have made the jump to the Bonts or to the Blue Jackets uh, with Fix Wolanski got sent back down, but Bernie played 15 games with the Monsters. One goal, three assists, four points, a plus one. He has 12 games with the Jackets, zero goals, zero assists for zero points, and a minus seven, which that's what happens on this defensive team. That's my uh, guy. Fix Wolanski's got 23 games with the Monsters, for, had 14 goals and 17 assists for 31 points and a plus six, but his time with the Jackets, he saw the ice four games, zeros across the board. Um, Fix Wolanski is looking more and more like a lifer in the AHL. I, I hate to say it, but he really is. Uh, great team guy, yeah. great leader for an AHL team. Tim Burney, he's a guy that's got a little bit of size and ability to play some defense in the big boy leagues. Um, not showing up on the score sheet, but also not showing up in a negative way, really. Just kind of out of sight, out of mind, playing his spot. I mean, I've sung his praises for the last, what, three, four podcasts? And he's another guy that's got 12 games now, so he would have to clear waivers to go back down. So he's either here or in purgatory like Gavin Bayruther. And on the left side, I think he's here, especially after the trade deadline comes. I think he's here. Absolutely. I agree with yeah. that. Bernie, I think, is one of those guys that you, you you slot in, and he has been solid. He's been absolutely solid. He's one of those guys you keep where he is right now. There's no reason to move him around just because yeah, of how he, he's solid. A guy, he's a guy that's converted his game, too, because two years ago he was an offensive defender up in Cleveland. And – this year, he kind of changed his game to play a little bit more defense and more of a shutdown role, and it's paid off for him up here. And if we have a Gavrikov trading at the deadline, 
it could really pay off for him. Yeah, we'll see. I hope Gavrikov doesn't leave, right? I mean, I, I know we've talked about this, but I think Gavrikov is a, is a vital part as well as Bernie. I, I can see Bernie being a vital part of this defense as well. Him and Bjork, those two have stepped up 100%, like to the point where they have not been hurt as well. I think injuries are a big part of being reliable for this team right now, especially what we've dealt with the last couple of seasons. But Bernie and Bjork, I think, are two guys that should be sticking around uh, because of that, just because they're so healthy, they stay healthy and, and they're very solid where, where they are. That's why Bjork was removed from this list because he's not a prospect no more. He's a jacket. Absolutely. I think Bjork, yeah, 100% has proved himself. And I think Bernie's right on his way. He's, there hasn't been a lot of times where we're sitting here saying, oh, Bernie made that mistake and this mistake and all this. It's, <laughs> Sorry. It's, all Mark just went solid. for the goalie goal and missed it by about half a foot. <laughs> Uh, well, did, yeah, should yeah, yeah. I take it back. You missed it by six feet. I'm glad we're giving Bernie that chance on the left side, other than bringing Bayreuther up and down, up and down, up and down. Because, like I said earlier, I want nothing to do with Gavin Bayreuther. Right. We'll see. Here's Bayreuther funny. should not ever see the lineup again. I mean, I don't ever, I don't I'll see any reason to ever bring him into the lineup ever again. Hey, we healthy scratched Andrew Peak and brought him in on New Year's Eve, and uh, it worked. Just saying. But there's That's one true. guy left You're on right. the, You're right about there's that. one guy left on this prospect list. I left on here just for shits and giggles, um, and that's because once again, this is not an exact science. Sometimes shit happens. So in 2018, in the sixth round, with pick 173, the Jackets took Vinny Vinalainen, a goalie who we traded in March of 2021 to the Toronto Maple Leafs for Miko Lettinen. Um, that did not work out great. And literally I just put it in here cause I looked at his stats. He's over in Sweden. And when he plays on the big team, he's really bad. When he plays in the minors, he's pretty good. And I just thought that was funny that I forgot all about him. So I started going through this list and we traded him for Miko Lettinen who quit. <laughs> he just quit. Yeah. Beva Lina was supposed to be one of the guys that came in and, and was going to be like, what, Tarasov is doing now. Bevelina was supposed to be that guy, right? So, stretching yeah. him for what we did in Miko Lettinen, and then Lettinen went overseas and never came back. It, just, it was a waste of a prospect at that point. That would be the yeah, only I mean, we'd have on, on the books right now. But there's no way the front office could have seen that coming, yeah? No, yeah. absolutely not. But drafting goalies is like doing voodoo. It, well, you got to also remember at the time is, we had – You're right. You got to remember at the time we had him, you know, weren't they trying to make room for – Kid Lennox for the upcoming expansion draft, and then we know what happened there. They yeah. were, yeah, they were that absolutely trying we to We had too Kimmy. many goalies, so we moved one, yeah. and then we lost another one, and then all of a sudden we were having to try to sign Cam Johnson just yes, that's so we could yeah. fill that last spot. And Cam Johnson was signed through the end of last year because of that. Of course he was. Right. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then they, they traded Bevan Lyman. That was, that was a surprise through a lot of the system. I know it was. They weren't expecting that. He was supposed to be one of the guys coming up with Tarasov, and he's just mm-hmm. he's now with a different team. It's just kind of weird. All right. So that's kind of our uh, up on the farm. We wanted to get everybody updated on that again. And now we want to move on into another little topic that seems to be a talking point for everybody. So Zach has put together a 2023 draft prospect list for us, what we consider the bucket and boomer top 10. 
And uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and kick this off, Zach, because uh, if we have some lottery luck and jump up, where are we going to start? So, uh, yeah, I went ahead, sat down the other day, wrote out my top 10, the Bucket and Boomer top 10. Uh, do you want to start at 10 and work our way up or one and work our, work our way down? Let's start at 10 and work our way up. So 10 was kind of my honorable mention because I don't see us picking anywhere outside of the top five. Uh, so I went ahead and tossed in David Reinbacher at 10. He's a right shot defenseman uh, playing in Klotnen, which is one of the uh, Swedish leagues. He's six foot two, 187 pounds. Um, he's projected to go anywhere between 19 to 30, but could jump up anywhere inside uh, 10 to 15 range. Uh, his biggest comparable is David Yurichek. He's a Which lengthy. We're liking. Yeah, he's a lengthy defenseman, a lot of reach, stay-at-home guy. Uh, hasn't really done a whole lot in the Swiss League this year with two twelve and fourteen. Um, but it's just a big guy playing a shutdown role, and that's what you love to see. Yep. All right, so let's just fly through these top, these bottom five real quick. Uh, number yeah. nine, you got Matthew Wood. Right winger playing at the University of Connecticut, six foot three, 190 pounds. He's got a lethal shot and edge work, but takes much longer to develop a player of his size on the wing. With four to five years in the NHL, he should develop into a high end top six forward. Currently at seven nine for 16 points in 21 games, and is playing for Team Canada currently. Is that up in the World Juniors? Uh, yeah, I think he's in the uh, U18 World Juniors, not the U20s, though. Okay. Um, so if we go into Zach Benson at number eight, uh, playing both left and right wing for the Winnipeg Ice, who has developed two first-rounders in the last year. He's 5'10", 159 pounds. Um, smaller guy, and he's one of those players that they really talk about, needs to gain an extra gear or two. Uh, slower player, but he's high skill. Uh, and if you've watched the Winnipeg Ice at all this year, he moves and plays a lot like Kent Johnson, um, which was also one of his comparables. He's projected to go bef- between five and ten, so he's kind of in a tighter spot there. It's one of those players where you know what you're going to have, but you don't know how far he's going to go. All right, so if you're a team that's already set at center, you can take a shot on a winger like this. Yep. Uh, you want to go ahead and get us into number seven? All right. Number seven. Braden Yeager, he's a center playing with the Moose Jaw Warriors, six foot, 165 pounds, was a former WHL Rookie of the Year. He's a high-scoring center that is projected to stay at a center in the big league, which is important. A hard-working player with an extremely quick release, currently sitting at 18 goals, 25 assists for 43 points in 35 games. He's played a de- has decent playmaking ability, but his shot that makes him stand out I'm sorry, it's his shot that makes him stand out. Uh, projected to go between 4 and 14 in this year's draft. So moving on there, we go to Dalbor Dvorsky, uh, who they've got projected to play as a center, but uh, he's most likely going to be playing right wing when he makes it to the league. He's playing in uh, Alspenskan, and that's another Swedish league. He's six foot one, two oh one, But uh, – He's a pure offense player. Um, or sorry, fuck, I was on the completely wrong one. Uh, no, he, he'll be projected at a second or third line center. Uh, hasn't done much on the offensive end of the ice. 4-4-8 four, four, and eight in 21 games played this season. 
Uh, but he's one of the better defensive de- or defensive forwards in this draft. Uh, if you want to go ahead and get on to Will Smith at five. All right. Let's go into the top five. Uh, Will Smith's one of the guys we talked about on the round table. And uh, as uh, Zach has put here in the notes, uh, Will Smith, keep my wife's name out of your goddamn mouth. Uh, he's playing with the U.S. Development Program. He's six foot, 172 pounds. High-end playmaker projected to go between 6 and 33. So he could be anywhere in the first round. It just depends on who wants to take a chance on that center. High-speed, flashy playmaker. Has 19 goals, 31 assists for 50 points in 28 games. Promising offensive prospect, leaving a lot to desire on the other end of the ice. So we're looking at another playmaking center that hasn't developed a 200 foot game yet. So he's kind of a risky one, but it's a risk versus reward. If you're going to jump up that high, this is the second highest offensive season in the USDP uh, right beside Jack Hughes. All right. So that'll take you to number four, which is one of my top picks. Yep, so at four, we're going into Lee, or Leo Carlson, playing in Orboro in the SHL. Uh, he's been playing center, and uh, he can transition over into left wing if he's not ready, but he will be a pure center in the NHL. He's one of those high-effort, hard-working players, kind of a grinder. Great on the other other end of the ice. Uh, he's cur- cur- oh, fuck, currently playing in the Swedish Hockey League. He's projected to go anywhere between third and 19th overall. Uh, he should fall exactly in the range that we're wanting, and he's doing nothing but improving his draft stock right now. So far, he's at three goals, 11 assists, and 14 points in 25 games played. But the Swedish Hockey League is kind of a lower-scoring league. Yeah, but that's 6'3", 194, just – that's mm-hmm. something you can't ignore. Yeah. So that's going to take us into our top three. And uh, you have Adam Fantilli at number three, a center playing for the University of Michigan. He is 6'2", 187, one of two 18-year-olds that made Team Canada for the World Juniors this year. Uh, he's a power forward that we've been waiting for with size and frame. He is the center prospect that is without a doubt going to be a center in the NHL. Heavy on the pucks and plays with physicality. You would expect from his size, ranked to go third overall at the lowest and is tearing it up in the NCAA. He's at... points per game with 11 goals, 15 assists for 26 points in only 16 games. So this is the guy that I may have said I would take over Bedard just because he fits what we need at 6'2", 175, and can play two-way center. Do you still stand by that after what Bedard did the other night? I do. I do. I think – I don't – thing with Bedard scares me is I don't know if we're getting Connor McDavid or if we're getting Shane Wright. Uh, Shane Wright was projected as more of that two-way player. He His biggest comparable was projected. Right. Mentally, Connor yeah, Bedard exactly. comes off to me as a Shane Wright because he's been told he's the best thing since sliced bread his entire life, and now he believes it. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think Adam Fantilli is just one of them hard-working big boys that Straps his boots on and grabs his lunchbox and heads to work every day. And that's the kind of guy I like. And exactly. And that's more in the range that we're going to be drafting because there's no way in hell we win the lottery. Uh, It's probably going to be Anaheim, then Chicago, then us. But vice versa for the top two. 
So I'll go ahead and take number two so you can just uh, enjoy yourself on number one. Uh, okay. Number two, is it Matavi Mitchkov? I don't know how to say his first name. Matt Vay Mitchkov. Matt Vay Mitchkov. Uh, he's a right winger with SK Zerva, St. Petersburg in the KHL. 5'10", 148. And here's the big problem. He's still under contract with Russia until 25-26. He is an elite goal scorer with the best hockey IQ in the draft class. He's projected to go anywhere within the top five and would most likely be the number one pick if it wasn't for Connor Bedard and the fact he's stuck in Russia the next three years. Uh, this guy's looking at 12 goals, five assists for 17 points in 22 games over in the KHL. His stock has kind of been going up and down. He's been projected anywhere from two to four to as low as seven because when he transferred from the Euro Leagues to the KHL, the production has went down. Uh, 5'10", 148. He is a little undersized, but he is a winger, not a center. So he's just a pure scoring winger for a team that has trouble scoring goals and has a center or two and doesn't need to grab one. This could be a very, very sought-after young man. But he might fall into the Marchenko, Veronikov, you know, you draft him, you just don't know when the hell you're going to see him. Yeah, um, the reason I still have him listed at two is because of the teams that it looks like it's going to be picking in front of us. Uh, my guess is Chicago ends up the first. Uh, then you got Anaheim at two that have taken Zegers and McTavish and are pretty right. settled so under one more, or two. They seat. would have more need for a score. Exactly. And if you uh, listen to most draft analysts, uh, I think about 70% of them said barring his contract, if it expired this year, there's a relatively decent chance he would have been taken above the dart just because of that goal scoring potential. And that was but before he went to the KHL, the production dropped when he switched leagues. Yeah, exactly. And the KHL historically has been a lower scoring league in general. Yeah. But that's his biggest red flag is when he went from Euro hockey to big boy hockey in Russia, his production went down. Exactly. Other than that, he, the guy's still got a nasty shot, dude. He's anybody who does get him when he does come here, he want to talk about a black ace. And he's one of the most elusive players you'll ever watch. Yeah. So tell us about number one. I don't think I've ever heard of him. Yeah. So Connor, Connor Bedard is the consensus. Number one. I mean, he's five foot 10, 185 pounds. So height-wise, a little bit small for the position, but he's made up for it in his weight. I mean, what you said watching him last year in the World Juniors was he looked like a man amongst boys. Uh, he's supposed to be that next generational player, especially in this stack draft class. Uh, but his last game in the World Junior Championships, he had seven points. He had three goals and four assists. Every one of those assists were primaries. Um. So he's everything you'd expect out of what the hype's been putting up for him. Uh, great skating, insanely high hockey IQ, and it's just his stick handling that sets him apart in an extremely hard shot. Yeah, and the other thing people got to remember is he's a year younger than a lot of these guys that are coming out because he was an underager in the CHL. Yeah, granted exceptional status, started playing in the WHL at uh, age of 15. Yep. So he's been playing juniors for what? This is third year he's been playing juniors. Yep. And it's just gotten better and better every year. I mean, there is a lot of hype and there is a lot of talent. It's just is the reality 
going to be the talent or the hype. And that's the only thing that scares me with Connor Bedard is that, like I said before, the fact that he's been told he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and now he's starting to believe it. Yeah. Um, at the same time, he's still, you know, kind of proving that, unlike Shane Wright, who in his draft year had a pretty big slump. I mean, he's no Jordan DeMay. Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> – yeah. But there is a big difference in skill between the WHL and the QMJHL. Right. I just – I don't think it's as – Easy as he's the next Connor McDavid, which is what a lot of people are pushing. I mean, Connor McDavid is special. You know, Connor McDavid's going to be on a list that goes Gretzky, Lemieux, Crosby, Ovechkin, McDavid. You know, he's going to be on that list one day. And if we got Bedard, I'd love him to be on that list. If we don't get him, I'd love him not to be on that list. See, when you look at the drafts, though, it looks like it goes generational player, generational player, gap for four or five years, then generational player, generational player, back-to-back years. Um, I I mean, only one way to find out. We got to wait and see who gets the frozen envelope, and then then we'll know. Exactly. I'm just excited for this draft year because of us being absolutely fucking garbage. And how stacked this draft's supposed to be. I hope we end up with one of either Fantilli or Carlson because I don't think there's any chance whatsoever that we that we win this draft lottery. But yeah, if we pick about, third, there's something about Fantilli and Carlson. The that size just jumps out at me. Yeah, I just that that six foot plus, that 180 plus pounds, that two way center that just that's the guy we need. That 180 plus pounds that when you get into the NHL with their dietitians and strength and training coaches, that it's probably going to hit around 205 to 210. And then Jamie Ben don't push you off a puck with one hand. Yeah. So, all right. So that's going to wrap up our up on the farm and our draft prospect prospect preview. I hope everybody enjoyed that and got a little info that uh, they can use going forward into draft season. But uh, let's close this show out. Let's uh let's do something here fun before we get out of here. Let's do our New Year's resolutions. I need your New Year's resolution for the Columbus Blue Jackets and your personal New Year's resolution. Okay. So uh, personally, uh, just keep doing bucket and boomer. Have fun with it. Uh, get back in the gym. Hopefully, drop a little bit of the weight that's came on from the holidays, um, and just spend time with my daughter and kind of enjoy life there, watch her grow. Uh, But as far as resolutions go for the team, I think it'd be to kind of clean sweep from the front office down and try to do something to turn this team around within the next five years. Yeah, I agree with that. My team resolution is just going to be two words. Do better. Don't be sorry, be better. Just do better. Um, this Jekyll and Hyde thing is getting old. I'm getting tired of it. Just if we don't have the right people, find the right people. Don't be afraid to make a move and, and, and just just do better. On a personal note, once again, I'm going to try and quit smoking again. It's getting to me. I need to stop. I need to quit smoking. I need to get in better shape because uh, living the way I'm living, I ain't going to be here forever. And I'd like to extend it a little bit longer. So personally, I would like to attempt the quit smoking thing again, get in a little better shape and make time to visit Florida since my youngest daughter just moved down there. 
So, I mean, I'd also like to add in, I'd love to get my golf handicap under 20. <laughs> uh, we said new year, not new decade. <laughs> hey, 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 I will beat you at some point this year, motherfucker. Oh, uh, we'll see. But no, I think that was a good one. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up and get out of here. You got any final thoughts? Um, Not a whole lot. Uh, getting out of here, use our code with BetUS. Try to win some money. Bet your kids college fund. Yep. Use the link on our uh, Twitter profile or go to our pinned tweet. Uh, the link will take you straight to the login page. You can set up an account and uh, start losing your money like I am because, once again, I took the over in the Winter Classic. The game is final two to one. So big old loser again. But on behalf of Big Booner CBJ Zach and uh, Bucket Hat Kyle for stopping in on his trip to Cincinnati, I'm Lil Boomer saying let's get out of here. Peace, love, and hockey.